right, so folks, the, we let the applause run a long time there. I'm Fred McMurray. This is Thursday. It's 2 p.m., which means this must be... Phyllis, Phyllis, Phyllis of Franchising. Phyllis, Phyllis, Phyllis of Franchising. I'm Fred McMurray. I'm in my COVID-19 mask. Okay, so we're not going to do that because it's hard to breathe. I'm with my co-host Ray Pillar and Elizabeth, the franchise woman, Denim. We're at Pillars of Franchising. Ray, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm still breathing, healthy, and uh, sequestered in my home. Been uh, limiting my foraging out to get groceries and that's about it. And then I have the mask on and the hand sanitizer and, and, uh, and the wipes for the cart, you know, and everything doing my thing, just, uh, you know, keep this to a minimum. Elizabeth. Yep. Same down here. I'm, I'm working in the house with four, three boys, <laughs> oh college kids. It's, it's noisy. They take breaks and play video games. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm fighting uh, distractions here and there, but otherwise everybody is healthy and well and uh, trugging along, getting sick of being inside together. <laughs> All right. You know, I went out like this yesterday, had sunglasses on and thought I can walk into a gas station now and no one thinks a <laughs> thing about it yet if i walked into a gas station with hat mask and glasses sunglasses on four months ago somebody would be pushing the silent alarm oh yeah (laughs) i was reading an article about that in banking that you know you're not you're you're normally not allowed to walk in with a hat and glasses in a bank and how are you know now all the banks are closed but (laughs) the whole new world (laughs) amen to that and and our our uh, viewers will note our new uh, graphic format. Ooh, very cool, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> so we've been Zooming now for two years, and all of a sudden, this is the craze. <laughs> we've been doing this format for well, well I, when, two years. So when I say format, I mean the graphical format. because Well, we've got, I mean the Zooming. Yeah, I know. And, you know, <laughs> in, in our individual places. <laughs> I was talking to my daughter yesterday. Um, she's a, a teacher. She was having to go in and clean the stuff out of her classroom um, for the rest of the year. And they allotted her, I think, a 20-minute time period to go in. So she was sitting in her car and in the parking lot waiting to run in. And she was, Dad, you know, three months ago, I talked about Zoom because, you know, we Zoom with you and, and, and the grandkids. No one knew what I was talking about. Now? everybody's doing it, which the software upgrades killed last week's show, folks. Sorry about that. We're working on getting at least some audio from last week's show. Horrifying. So so my background background is sunny, someplace sunny, wishing I was there, but I'm not. I'm at home. The the weather, the temperature is eh, 48 degrees, but the wind is blowing 25 miles an hour. So it feels really cold out here in Aurora, Illinois. <laughs> Elizabeth, we're back Elizabeth, to pillars of weather. Pillars of weather. Well, we're in Spanish Fort Alabama where we're a, a nice balmy 82 and hot nice. <laughs> sunshine. So, uh, you know, we're, we're polar opposite of, of you, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sad to say on the central coast of California today, it's been raining. It's it's Chicago weather, you know, kind of like Chicago spring weather when it's raining, crappy right. out. So we've got Ray weather here. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it any indication of your background, though? It looks like California a, is know, always. Borealis or something. <laughs> yeah. California is always kind of in the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> what can I say? All right. Let's go back to Pillars of Franchising. Elizabeth, why don't you introduce our guest for today? I'm happy to. We have Sandra Graham. She's the founder and chief principal of Simple Systems, um, and she can tell us all what that is about. But first, um, we don't want to leave you out of our weather report, Sandra. So why don't you tell us where you are and and what the weather's like? (laughs) Yeah, so I'm in Victoria, B.C., and uh, it's 12 degrees. Uh, Today, it's actually quite nice. Uh, there's lots of sun, lots of cherry blossoms, so nothing to complain about over here. Mm. Uh, you said 12 degrees? 12 degrees, yeah. Centigrade? Or Fahrenheit? Sorry. Fahrenheit. <laughs> Holy <laughs> crap, I'm suddenly happy. Yeah. <laughs> and Victoria Beach, okay, what state were you in? No, she's Canada. In Victoria, BC. Canada. Yeah, right. British of Columbia, Canada. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. But you know, I just wanted. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm happy with our crappy yeah. weather. <laughs> Perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So now that you've all made us all happy for where we are. Yeah. <laughs> tell us. <laughs> tell us about your company. Yeah, so we write operations manuals and staff trainer guides for small businesses and companies that are franchised. Um, as well, we create training programs for franchise companies and small businesses. Mm. Yeah, and then being in uh, you know 2020, we focus on helping companies get their materials online. Um, we don't encourage people to print off their manuals anymore and distribute them that way. That's uh-huh. that's, a, that's a wise thing to do because what I've noticed about anything these days is it changes quickly. I mean, as soon as you get it printed and distributed, well, it's wrong. Yeah, it's also one of the most valuable assets that you have, and it can't be controlled as soon as it's paper based. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a paper format, you can't get any feedback. Uh, how do you know if people are looking at page twelve versus page twenty six and um, how do they uh, get their questions back to you? So I, I want to know if you have generational pushback on that, on digital, digitizing all of your documents, because my, my dad was a lawyer for 40 years, and he was not going to scan everything. He was not going to go electronic until he, someone in his office lost an entire file. And they had to recreate it, which meant contacting the judge's office, contacting the other attorney. Then it's embarrassing, right, that, you, that you've done that. So at that point, every single thing started being scanned. Mm-hmm. So how do you find it with your clients? Are they, are they now all receptive to that now, or do you still have some older people pushing back? Yeah, um, that's a great question. No. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, I haven't. But I think um, usually it's because I emphasize the problems that this is solving before I say, hey, your material should absolutely be online. Um, it's 
Um, do you uh, struggle with understanding uh, how, uh, how often your materials are read? Um, do you know if all your staff have actually looked at your materials that they're required to look at? Do you have a way of testing for competency that doesn't take you a huge amount of time? Um, and quite often they say no. And I say, well, what if I could show you how to do it really easily? Mm -hmm. um, and the software that we really lean on is really quick and easy to set up. Um, it's, we're not selling you the most robust um, piece of software out there that's gonna take you a huge amount of time and investment to get set up and then find that it doesn't work for you. So it's really simple, really basic. And uh, at some point you should expect that you're going to outgrow the tools that you've adopted. And so helping people understand that helps them um, get on board a little bit easier. This is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Sorry, I haven't been able to get that one in there for so, so, so long. <laughs> so, how have franchisors been, are most franchisors online with their manuals, or is it a, a minority or sizable minority? How many, what percentage of franchisors have their manuals online? That's a great question. I think there's lots of software out there like FranConnect that encourages um, franchisors to get their materials online. Um, part of our offboarding process is, yes, we'll write these materials, but then we'll say, okay, what's your plan? What's your long-term plan for keeping your materials up to date? And if they're saying, well, our plan is to print this and distribute it, then I say, this is going to create a huge challenge for you down the road. Um, it's going to require a lot of work and a lot of effort. And if you look at implementing some sort of um, software or platform, then you can have other people participate and help you update your procedures as they change and, and grow. Awesome. Uh, what, type of, oh. what type of manuals are we talking about? Because you got employee manuals, you got work manuals, you got you know business plan type manuals. What mm -hmm. uh, or are you speaking of all of them? Yeah, so we don't do business plans. Um, we focus specifically on franchisee manuals and we structure ours as a pre-opening manual. So everything that you need to get your business up and running. We separate that out because really you're only gonna look at that material when you're doing your build out. And then afterwards you're done and you don't need to look at that and why sift through you know, three, 400 page document to find what you need later on. Um, and then we have our franchisee manual and that's how you actually operate in the business. And we like to blend it depending on the stage that you're at, the things that you need to know to operate or work in the business the things that you need to know to grow or work on the business. Um, and then because of the issues with joint employer threats, um, we've separated out and created an HR guide. So it's really advice for learning how to um, work with your most valuable asset, and that's your staff. Mm -hmm. So you work with the franchisor exclusively. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then for small businesses, we'll help them create, uh, we won't, we don't, say we'll help you create a big, huge operations manual. I don't think that's useful. Um, I think it's kind of an older style where people would hire you to create a big, robust operations manual. It's all 300, 400 pages. We say what you need is um, staff user guides. So you need a guide for each staff role that you have in your business so that they know how to do their job really, really well. Excellent. So yeah, those are the two things that we focus on. So in terms of your process, um, if I'm a new client to you as a franchisor um, and you may have varied processes 
for newer franchisors and established ones who want to come in and, and update manuals or whatever. But what is your process? How much time do you spend with them? What what does that involve to onboard somebody? Yeah. So one of the things that we do is uh, we offer free audits. So we say, hey, have you been thinking about updating your manual or you're in the process of franchising and you don't have anything documented? Um, why don't you start by just sending us your materials? We'll take a look at what you have and we'll give you an assessment. And then we go through and determine what still needs to be written and what needs to be updated and revised. And then you can choose to take the, the um, findings from the audit and write your own materials, or you can hire us and work with us. Um, and the first um, step is basically what we said, doing the audit for free, see where your materials are at. And then we meet uh, on a monthly basis, depending on your timeline, and we go through how you operate your business. So I'll be asking you a series of questions. What's your ideal um, footprint if you're doing a build out? Um, where do you get your materials from? Uh, what, uh, how do you stand out from your competitor as far as customer service and delivering your product? Um, I like to do it over Zoom because I get to see how people uh, talk about their business and when they get really excited or they get frustrated. Uh, some of the questions that I'll ask you are, think about the best employee that you've had in uh, your whole career and what made them such a great employee. Okay, now think of the worst person that you had on your team. Why do you think that didn't work out? Uh, and we develop your materials around that. So the best uh, employee, those are the skills attributes that ideally you want all your employees to have moving forward. So we'll write materials on that. And then the employee that didn't work out, usually it's uh, expectations weren't clear or they had a certain personality trait that you know doesn't work with your company now. So emphasizing how you can ask questions during the hiring process to determine if they're a good fit for your company. Uh, yeah, so we'll meet uh, on a monthly basis through Zoom. We'll um, gather all the information that we need. Then we draft we uh, draft a first draft. We send it to you, and then we walk through it. And we say, this is what I heard from you. Um, this is why I've written it this way. Um, if there's anything outstanding that we have some questions about, we'll go through it at that point, incorporate any revisions, and then we'll give you a final draft. Your final draft, uh, we want you to take it, and we want you to test it. So this is what we call the validation period. So you go and make sure that actually reflects your operations um, and that it works for training your staff. And then any other revisions that we need to do from there, we'll do, we'll do that. Elizabeth, oh. no, Ray, yeah. you, yeah. you already jumped in on the last one. It's Elizabeth's turn. Got to share. <laughs> well, this is a little bit off topic, and I want to come back to um, more process things in a minute. But I, I meant to ask you right off the bat, how is uh, our current situation of uh, staying in affecting you and your business? And what have you been able to pivot anything? How are you adapting? Yeah. I'm sure a lot of your work is remote, but I, are you slowing down? Are you having people put it on pause or so, what's um, your situation like? Yeah, I'd say 90% of my clients I work with on Zoom. So we're doing this um, once a month or every two weeks, depending on their timeline. And we're um, still writing their materials. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of my clients have had to have cease operations. So they don't have any money coming in. Um, and everybody is struggling. And I said to all my clients, uh, I wanna protect your investment. Um, there's no use in putting a pause on the work that we've um, started already. Uh, let's just keep moving forward and I'll let you defer your payments for now and we'll figure it out once the money starts coming in. 
So that's how we're handling it. I think um, that's the least I can do under these circumstances. I've also been reaching out to all of my clients and saying, hey, I have an operations background. If you're looking at some additional tools that you could be using to bring your business more online, um, to streamline things and make it easier to work with a remote-based team, I'm here, I'm available to brainstorm and come up with a plan. Um, but yeah, for now, I mean, I think a lot of people are putting a pause on investing in drafting materials like this. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's a great thing that you're doing to keep it moving forward because once things pick back up, they're going to need it anyway. So it's not, you know, we I've I've heard that more than one time that people are going to do that and just try to defer payments to help people out. Um, and speaking of your operations background, what what is your operations background? Yeah, so um, I've worked predominantly in um, healthcare. So 11 years working in healthcare, I started as a frontline staff, sustained a back injury, um, did some retraining, pivoted into being a social worker, did my master's and then worked in strategic development of services for the region. Um, did a little stint in economic development, program development for the University of Victoria and then landed in um, working in economic development, helping medium-sized businesses figure out how to grow and scale their companies. Um, so in all of those roles in that capacity, I'm very number focused, um, working from you know lean process improvement using those yellow and green belt skills um, that I have uh, to bring operational efficiency to the organization. So uh, yeah, that's my background. Hey. Speaking of operational efficiency, I, I have a feeling that once this is all over, a lot of the companies that have, that have resisted uh, having people work from home are going to find, wow, this is really cool. And they're going to start, you know, uh, continuing with this. And, and I think their efficiencies will begin to increase. And, you know, of course, I'm an optimist, but I, I think uh, overall our economy is going to boom even more coming out of this. But one of the things I wanted to ask uh, ask you was, uh, if someone decided to do this on their own, what are some of the pitfalls they would encounter uh, trying to do it on their on their own? Yeah, I think it's being realistic about what's required to write a good manual because a poorly written manual is useless. So being re realistic about time and um, the level of skill required to write a good manual. So. What I try and um, say to people is rule of thumb. If you've never documented your process be before, this is the first time you're putting pen to paper, expect to invest five hours for one page of content. Yeah. It's a lot of time. And where that breakdown in time is, first, you're, you're spending time writing a really good, clear outline. So it's just like when you're in school and you're learning how to write papers in English, that outline, that skeleton is really, really critical. Then you're spending some time figuring out what additional resources you need um, to actually write something that's comprehensive enough. Then you're spending time writing the document, and then you want to let it rest for a while um, because you don't want to be the if you're if you don't if you're not hiring anybody to edit your materials for you, you don't want to you want to look at it with fresh eyes. So you need to leave it alone for a bit. Um, and then as far as skill, uh, I always say the three C's. So um, Clarity, conciseness, and comprehensiveness. So clarity and conciseness, they go hand in hand. I think people who have spent a lot of time in university really struggle with clear and concise writing. And that's because academia really favors that fluffy kind of passive tone. 
to writing, which can make it really confusing. Um, and then comprehensiveness. I'm talking about um, from a technical instruction perspective, you've got all the information that the user needs to know how to do something. So I like to use coffee as an example. You want your staff, your staff member to make you coffee in the morning for the whole team. So you start by saying, you're going to make coffee at 8 a.m. So you have some sort of reference to time. You're going to make coffee for 12 people. It's going to take you 15 minutes to make coffee. So if you need it for 8 a.m., you better start at 7.45. And then you go into the description of how to actually make coffee. Um, so they need the information on what, what it is that they're going to do. You're going to make coffee. Why you're going to do it, because your team needs to be well caffeinated for their meeting. And then how to do it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, being really realistic about the skill um, and then the amount of time. And we can help you, that's part of the audit process. We can, um, we actually assess your documentation from a technical writing perspective. And we'll let you know where you can be a little bit more clear and concise and how you can focus on that. But in general, it's using short words. Um, don't use complicated words. Don't use acronyms if you don't need them. Um, the shorter your sentences, the better. Don't use big, long run-on sentences. Yeah. <laughs> Okie dokie. So before we continue on more about uh, documentation and manuals, hmm, yeah, we'll make that comment later. We want to go and pay some bills, uh, recognize our sponsors, and want to first thank uh, Feedspot for recognizing us as uh one of the top 20 podcast franchising podcasts to follow in 2020. And in fact, thank them for not only including us on the list, but including us at number one. Ooh, we're number <laughs> one, folks. Um, Want to give a shout out to Caffeinated Connections. It's running virtual. Uh, fill out the form. You can go to caffeinatedconnections.com and join us at 7.30 a.m. Pacific time on Tuesdays. Uh, that's 7.30 Pacific is 8.30 Mountain, which is 9.30 Chicago, which is 10.30 um, Eastern. Sometimes I hate multiple time zones, but it was, uh, met some great people and uh, it's amazing how many states actually show up. People from so, so many states show up. Uh, last, another shout out to the local network for broadcasting the show. Ooh, we get an echo there. And uh, now I want to give a word for a sponsor. Hey, hey franchise owners. owners. How is your, your local marketing? Do you, Do you feel, feel like, like you could, could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? And Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you, Are you able, able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who needed an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbuying.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westbine with a y dot com. Thanks, Michelle. 
The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Woman will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And we're back, so um, we'll let Elizabeth take it over. Actually, Elizabeth, before we jump into that, um, you want to tell our listeners about the Franchisee Advisory Board? Yes, we are um, forming in the process of forming a Franchisee Advisory Board so that we can collect information, ask questions, find out what franchises, franchisees need to know, the problems they're having, um, so that we can then in turn ask franchisors um, to respond to those questions in a separate broadcast. So if you are interested, um, go to the website, the Pillars of Franchising, and fill out the contact form, and we will um, get in touch. Now you have the next question to take it over with. Ooh. Okay. Elizabeth, so you if finished. you are uh, what, raised on? <laughs> raised on. Raised, raised on. Yeah. Done. He's done. <laughs> All right. When, um, and I know you probably touched on this in your last answer, but if, if you were going to tell someone what the single most important thing they needed to include in their manual was, what would that be? Yeah. Um, so I think it actually depends on what stage you're at. So talking specifically about a franchisee manual, if you're um, just starting to franchise your company, then it means that you probably haven't established your franchisee requirements or expectations. So I say bare minimum, what you want to do is think about um, the heart of your business and including that. So these are the things that you need to do to keep the lights on. So how you get your customers and how you keep them. And what I'm talking about is things like your customer demographics, your um, psychographics, of your customer base, the channels or methods that you use to market to your customers. And um, I know that sometimes that varies depending on your region and how dense it is, but in general, most companies nowadays have some sort of digital strategy. So I'm talking about the channels that you know are effective for reaching them um, that bring you some sort of ROI. And then I'm talking about how you actually deliver your services, any policies that you've established to keep your customers happy and just keep expectations really clear, um, how you manage complaints, uh, and any common questions or responses that you have. Um, so these are the things that when you're first starting a business, figuring out is really, really challenging. So if you outline them for your franchise partner, you're immediately showing value in the investment that they've made. So as you grow and as you evolve, then what you want to do is get that blend between working in the business and working on the business. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so my next question is, <laughs> sometimes even though the best efforts there can be had by Fred and other individuals like our show last week, things go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so 
you know, sometimes, uh, so the, I guess the question is, uh, have you ever written a manual that uh, was wrong or included something or maybe missed something? And, uh, you know, how, how do you go about preventing that? Yeah, yeah, the don't, missing don't, something. Don't, 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 Sorry, we had to get I, some dose in there. Now, please continue <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah, the missing something is um, definitely a, a real challenge, which is why I say the validation um, is part of our process and I think a critical step. Um, and this comes from uh, people feeling so intimate about their role that they uh, take some of these things as common sense or they kind of forget, like it just happens so naturally to them um, that they forget to include it. So, um, you know, one of the things that I've done in the past is working as a social worker and asking questions in so many different ways. Working in operations, you work with different people and you're, you learn how to ask questions that aren't leading, that don't have bias, so that you can unearth and reveal more information. And so it's really honing those skills to say things in a different way to try and get more and more information, um, which is why I love Zoom because I can see people's faces. I can see when they get really excited about something. I can see when they love aspects of their role, but I can also see when they um, are doing things that maybe they don't feel too keen about. And it's further reason to spend a little bit more time so that we don't glaze over some of the important critical pieces of information. How about something, have you ever, was there, all right. Go ahead, Ray, you'll get it there, come on. <laughs> have you ever written a manual that was so blatantly wrong it was funny? Um, yeah, so you mean like, not what the company does as a procedure or yeah, total misunderstanding of, uh, of the company. And, and I'm, I'm just looking for something that, you know, may have happened in the past that could be funny. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't think so. And part of our process is we work on that outline together with our clients. Mm -hmm. So um, I get to understand why they have these different staff roles and how it's critical to supporting their operations of their business. Um, so I'll ask them questions like, what's really important to you? Um, you know, what is it about your brand that you really love? So questions that maybe people might not typically ask um, because it gives me a clue. And mm. so um, we draft the outline and then we expand and I say, I included this because I heard this in your answer. And so I thought that this would be relevant and this would be useful. Um, this is how I think it will support your operations of your business. Tell me if I've gotten it right or if I'm a little bit off. Um, so I think because that's how our style of writing is, usually by the time you get a final draft, you're pretty clear on what's down on paper and there's not a lot of surprises. One of the questions I hate people would ask me is <laughs> why your company? as opposed oh, yeah. to an ABC company or another company, you know. And I, actually, it's a, probably a good thing that they asked me that early on because then I, I did have a good answer for it, at least the second time I was asked. So I'm going to ask you that. Why should someone pick your company over someone else's? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what you're asking me is how do I stand out from my competitors? What do I do that's a little bit different? 
Um, and I think we've spent a lot of time thinking about the procedure for working with our clients to get that information so that it's their business down on paper. The other really fun thing that we do is we ask them about their brand tone, their company. We really get intimate to know what, what it is that they love about their business. And hopefully by the end, we love their business as much as they do. And so their document actually reads like their brand voice. And then it's a piece that they can use to create buy-in when they're um, recruiting new staff or getting their franchise partners on board. You know, some franchisors ask their franchise partners to draft social media content and getting that voice is really hard. Um, but when it's already embedded in the material, they're used to hearing it um, and it exudes, you know, their values and things like that. So I think it just makes it a more um, quality piece of document that has many more um, uses than just a set of instructions. It's also more exciting to read. Good answer. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you include a person, their personality, a piece of their personality in that document and who they are. I can understand where that could be a much better document. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll ask the, the difficult question. Yeah. What's the weirdest <laughs> manual you've ever written? The weirdest manual that I've ever written. Um, let me think. I, I don't think I've really had a, I mean, there's gotta I, be a weirdest. <laughs> I've revised, I've revised, I think the strangest is I've revised um, material that was written in the 80s. Mm. And so the terms that we use in the 80s are very different than the terms we use nowadays. So I think that was probably uh, a moment where I was like, wow, it's really amazing how progressive we are now compared to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, progressive in terms of what <laughs> references to to men and women or i mean what was men what was women the... color yeah okay yeah, yeah. so any <laughs> any less sensitive back then yeah much less sensitive and it was typewritten so there was no it, she sent me over pictures <laughs> and oh, i had wow. to yeah I, we had to type it out and then massage it from there so that's funny. So I was wondering when you were talking about, especially with a newer business, um, defining their operations, defining what employees they were looking for, defining all these things. Have you worked with a lot of newer people who have not defined those things yet? And that this is part of the process that they have to go through in addition to giving it to you as figuring it out for themselves? Yeah. So one of the things that um, I've been learning a lot about is scope creep. Um, and for a Franchise manual, ideally, they have clear staff roles. Like you're not looking at franchising your business until you've got some critical steps in place, um, which is why in the future, we are going to be um, partnering with a franchise consultant and a franchise lawyer um, for a Kickstarter package. So this will be for the client who hasn't figured this out and we can walk you through and make sure that your materials are kind of being created simultaneously. It's going to hopefully cost you less money and you're going to get a really great product. Um, so in general, you shouldn't be franchising your business unless you've done a few critical steps. Quite often in small businesses, they don't have clear defined roles. So I'll say that's the first thing you need to figure out because we take your job description and we'll write your staff roles from those job descriptions. So if you don't know what outcomes you want a role to achieve, then we got to focus on that first. So I'll give them an exercise and I'll say, write out all the tasks that you do every day, every week, every month. 
have your staff write it out, figure out who's actually accountable for it. You'll probably find some redundancies and then um, group your tasks in a way that makes sense so that you have a clear defined role. And then I will work with them to draft a job description and we'll get clear into expectations, responsibilities and um, outcomes. So those are the results that you wanna see come from somebody being in that position. So, uh, what? Go ahead. Well, I, I, it's talking about manuals. It's kind of funny because um, I was reading earlier today that there's a dearth of COBOL programmers and Okay, Ray, did you ever write in COBOL? No. I actually learned it a long time ago and, and it was really big just before Y2K and and um, allegedly all the old lines of COBOL got wiped out and now it turns out that um, a whole 46% of all the banks and, and um, run on COBOL code and many states um, paycheck systems do and, and man, all of a sudden you can make a whole lot of um, money uh, being a COBOL programmer. And it really annoys me because I'm pretty sure I um, threw out all my old COBOL manuals when I moved to California. <laughs> Do you have any COBOL manuals online? No, never mind. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> Was there a question in there? Yeah. Do you have any COBOL manuals online? And then I said, never mind. So go ahead. So you, you were talking a little bit about job descriptions. And then one of the problems I found with job descriptions is either they're too literal, literal and uh, they're so precise that if you, as an example, maybe you have a general manager job description, but you'd fail to mention that they have to clean the restrooms every once a week. <laughs> <laughs> or they're so limited that they, they, the person says, sorry, my job description says this and that's all I'm going to do. You know, yeah. so how do you get around yeah. something like that? Yeah, I think that's um, why uh, I, I was saying outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. Mm -hmm. So um, what results do you want to see from that role? Because that's, that's your investment. Why, you know, have a, you know, seat warmer if they're not going to um, output some tangible results, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's not, it's things like, you know, a task, I want you to make coffee, or, you know, the outcome, I, I want you to bring culture into our organization. You know, we're talking about an mineral, obviously, here, right? Um, and then it allows you to kind of not be pigeonholed into, well, this was in my job description because it was more clear of, well, we want we want those outcomes. That's what we're really focused on. And I think this fits with um, the transitions that we've, or the trends that we've seen in um, employment that uh, staff, you know, work from home, work remotely um, because we want results from you. We don't want to tell you that you need to be here for eight hours if it doesn't work for you and you've got other things that you need to manage. You do you got a follow up one, Ray, or should we take a <laughs> break for our last commercial? We could take a break, but when we come back, uh, I do have a follow up. Okay. <laughs> then we'll launch the next commercial. God willing. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. 
Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And because we botched Michelle's commercial earlier, we'll try hey, it. Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvinewithaway.com. Thanks, Michelle. And just as a note on Nick's offer, here is the my copy of uh, the Franchise MBA. You can see it's quite dog-eared. Um, if you fill out the form on the website, pillarsoffranchising.com website, you get not only the free book, you also get a free uh, virtual reality headgear set. So two things for the price of one. And we're still number one on uh, <laughs> Feedspot's list of top 20 franchise blogs to follow in. You must follow in 2020. Now, Ray, take that, take it back. Now we, we've, we've redeemed ourselves. So take it away, sure. Ray. Ooh, that was fun I, saying. I, my question is then, uh, we talked a little bit about changes. You, you mentioned 1980s versus now, how, how some of the wording has changed. But generally speaking, uh, over um, a series of, uh, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years, how have the manuals uh, changed? If they've changed at all, I, I know you discussed some of the wording has changed, but generally speaking, how have they changed? Yeah, so um, I feel like I have to reveal a dirty little secret here. Um, I'm 30. So um, as far as, you know, the, my uh, professional career, um, so let's say the last 15 years, what I'm aware of, um, is uh, we're moving away from paper-based documentation, right? Mm -hmm. um, we've got all these great software tools that bring us that level of transparency. And we're really thinking about how we test for comprehension. So thinking more about what's the point of writing these materials. I think before it was the exercise in itself. Yes, mm -hmm. um, the exercise in itself confirms that you have one set way of doing something. Um, but now I think it's taking it to the next level um, so that it's actually used. It's making sure that after you've made that investment to get it down on paper, that it's actually being, as we say, operationalized. <laughs> and yeah, you can only sure. do that if you have these other tools in place to help you get there. Um, so yeah, I would say um, that. And then the art of writing. I think a lot of people are really enjoying writing nowadays. So it's not just writing for the sake of writing. It's how can I make this as interesting and engaging as possible? And how can I make this really clear and concise? Um, and it's, it's a pretty fun exercise uh, once you get the hang of it. Mm -hmm. 
that's, that's, that's true. And of course, nowadays, all you need to do is speak into a, a computer and it's written. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, exactly. You can use dictate tools and there's lots of really great software out there that you can use to make a plain Word document actually look a little prettier. Um, you know, you can put in videos, images. Loom is a really great tool where you can actually uh, record a set of a set of simple software instructions and then you can embed it or um, you can be putting it on another platform with uh, password protection. So you're um, beefing up your set of instructions with an actual visual set because everybody learns a little bit differently. Some people really prefer to read something and then other people really have to see something to be able to absorb it. I love documents with embedded links and, you know, because then, you know, you have the option of either clicking on it or not, you know, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. So I would say if I was to say one thing that that's changed the most, I think people are thinking a little bit more about the experience of the reader when they're looking at these materials. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking Ray's got shirts that are older than 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> You might be wearing one now. I'm not sure, but never mind. No, no, this is a brand new shirt that my girlfriend bought me. Uh, I thought, I was wondering if you just dug it out. Elizabeth, you've been quiet. Jump in. Otherwise, I'll continue insulting Ray. Well, I, I just find it really interesting what you were saying about the, um, it's almost like they're becoming interactive because you have actions that you can take and, and you get something out of it, which is not what I think of when I think of an operations manual. Um, but those things you're talking about also make it trackable to see what is most engaging so that the next round or the next client, you can then improve the experience from that point. Are you using that? I mean, clearly you are, but how important is that data to you in terms of, of progressing in your business? Yeah, I think the things that are important is um, the, the questions that I'd be asking is, uh, are people reading it? Um, what are they reading? How much time are they spending on things? Um, do they still have questions? Are they asking the same questions? Um, I really like adding quizzes at the end because it's just a really quick way to test for comprehension. See, did it stick? If it didn't stick, maybe it was the way that you wrote it. Um, so having that uh, feedback mechanism helps us create better materials. Um, I think also gets people excited that they should get them on board in helping make this uh, a company-wide process for keeping their instructions up to date, um, trying to find ways to make it better. Uh, when you get staff involved quite often, they're like, oh, it would be so great if we had a set of instructions for this, because I think I'm always telling people this, and then I see so-and-so does it a little bit differently. So the more people you can get involved, um, the better product you're going to get as well. So following up on that, um, one of my next questions was how often do you need to update? And I would assume based on all of the data that you're getting through technology now, that would be more frequently than less frequently. Is that correct? And, and when you have a client, do they stay on for these kinds of updates um, you know, going forward? Yeah. So we have a three and a six month check-in um, post validation. Um, and it depends again on what stage you're at in franchising. So if you're still early stage, your business is changing really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going through a huge amount of growth, your business is changing quickly. Um, so in general, I'd say get in the habit of updating your materials every six months. So that means 
throughout the year, every you know week or whatever, you've got your staff taking notes of things that maybe aren't clear or you maybe need a new set of instructions for. And then at that six month period, investing that time and energy to get everything updated. Um, if you have a really great software tool, you can be doing that more often. You can give the authority, the pen authority to a staff member that you know knows how to do things correctly and have them do the tweaks um, as they see need to be done. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of things to keep in mind. Try doing it every six months minimum, um, but think about how quickly your business is changing. So if your business is changing quickly, then you need to be updating accordingly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know what that means. It's time to go down the rabbit hole. If you have a special rabbit hole question you'd like to have asked, then fill out the form on Pillars of Franchising. Specify, in fact, that it is a, um, there's a drop down you can uh, grab and say it's a, a rabbit hole question. So, now, are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? Absolutely. So, how will better written manuals thwart the zombie apocalypse <laughs> and save, well, I'd normally say the U.S., but save Canada, since you're in Canada, yeah. um, from Armageddon or the apo zombie apocalypse? Yeah. So... Sorry, just a recap. So how how is how are we going to our mm -hmm. business or uh, yes, operations? What you do? Well, yes, what you do? We're of course we're going to be writing the survival guide on uh, how to survive during these during these times, right? So you figure out, do you um, what's the most effective way to execute a zombie? Well, we're going to tell you the quickest, easiest, fastest way to do that. Okay. <laughs> so now. It's Elizabeth's last question, and then time for Ray's last question. <laughs> so if I'm going to come see you as a client, what is your advice for preparation? What should I have ready before my very first call? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, very first call. I think... Our very first call is an exploratory, it's a discovery call. So I'm gonna ask you if you've done your, if you've written these materials um, before, or if you've tried writing little pieces, what you're currently using to train staff. Um, if you have a timeline kind of um, identified, so you want this done in four months or maybe six months, um, if you're constrained by budget, if you'd like to use some of your um, already existing resources like your staff to get some of this work done. Um, these are the questions that I'm gonna be asking you. Um, and that'll help us determine the best way for us to work together. Ray, and that means it's up to you. So now we have all these franchisors sitting at the edge of their chair saying, I need a new manual. How do mm -hmm. they get hold of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, they can give me a call. They can email me, uh, Sandra at GetSimpleSystems.com. They can visit our website for a little bit more information. So we've outlined our process for working together. You know, like I mentioned before, we'll meet on Zoom. Um, we'll do an audit of your, or an assessment of your materials to see where they're at. We'll give you a first draft and then the validation period. Um, or you can look me up on LinkedIn and send me a message that way. Mm. LinkedIn? Yeah. And yes, Ray, the social links are already embedded in her bio page. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. <laughs> 
for once, even though I was behind. I'm a- <laughs> yes. Well, want to thank Sandra for coming by and and, and talking about um, franchising manuals and and everything else. Um, it's been interesting and. Um, Thanks to Sandra Graham from Simple Systems. We will Great. see you soon. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 So, folks, normally we would be heading out, but for the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to um, broadcast the uh, interview that um, Elizabeth and I did with Ron Silverstein about uh, auditing and tax issues for franchisees and franchisors in this coronavirus uh, era. So we are going to try to finally do the show. So here we go, folks. So on today's today's Pillars of Franchising, we are welcoming Ron Silverstein. He is the co-founder and president and CFO of Bud's Place Franchising. Um, he was formerly CFO and Chief Admin Officer for a large retail golf store franchisor that had 150 franchise stores uh, and system-wide revenue exceeding $200 million. He is also a CPA working with franchisors and franchisees of all sizes located throughout the U.S. Hi, Ron. How are you? I'm good, Elizabeth. How are you? Good. Hi, Fred. Glad to have you back, my friend. I was going to say, it's been a point. <laughs> Go ahead, let's just jump in. in. So, okay. All right. So, so we wanted to talk today um, about, about what's been going, going on worldwide and about the global pandemic that we're going on and how that's going to affect businesses. It's affecting businesses large and small, employees, customers, all that. Um, have you personally been through anything similar to this? And can you talk about how this is going to affect the franchise industry? Sure, uh, and, and I have, have been, been through this a couple of times uh, while well, in the franchise industry. So, uh, you know, back in 2001, when we had 9-11, that had big effects on the franchise industry, both on uh, the uncertainty caused, both on uh, businesses, employees, and customers of those franchise businesses. Uh, it slowed things down for a while. And uh, everything came back, took about, uh, I think the stats are that it took about eight months for things to get back to normal after 9-11. But franchising did come back and came back pretty strong. And then in uh, between 2007 and 2009, when there was a global recession and some big companies were having problems and having to get bailed out, franchising got hit then as well. And had a, had a slowdown for a couple of years. And came back strong, and it's uh, before this all started happening. Uh, within you know, within the last couple of months, franchising was probably the strongest it's ever been, and uh, obviously has slowed down. Like all businesses have slowed down right now, and there's a lot of uncertainty going on, both with franchisors, franchisees, customers, employees. Uh, uncertainty is never good, and it's certainly not good right now. So in terms of uncertainty, there's some questions you could probably help us answer. Uh, in terms of financial reporting, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know... Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. So what do you think franchisors need to know about their FDD 
um, renewals dates have those been shifted? Are we going to see some changes of accommodations for that? As far as uh, renewal dates, uh, I reached out to the IFA a couple of weeks ago when all this started going on and when people started working from home. And I could see that uh, both, you know, three things were going on. Franchisors were slowing down. Uh, some places had a lockdown where you had to stay at home, basically. Also, accounting firms and law firms, which are heavily involved in the FBD process, were starting to work remotely, were starting to slow down as well. So uh, I've talked to the IFA about their need to talk to states about the renewal deadlines because the franchisors, with, their, with them slowing down, they weren't going to be able to get the financial information ready for their auditors. With the auditors slowing down and working remotely, they were going to have more difficulty getting audits done timely. And with the law firms, uh, the last link in the FBD process uh, with, uh, with them, them working, working remotely and slowing down, they may have trouble getting FDDs prepared on time. So, so IFA has been heavily involved in trying to get the regulators to change some deadlines. Some states have uh, moved their deadlines out a little bit. Uh, I think there's like 13 registration states right now that, that this applies to. And others haven't decided yet or are considering it. And, you know, it's all up in the air, like with most things related to COVID-19, things are changing hourly, daily, weekly right now. So everybody on the franchisor side and the supplier side of franchisors just needs to keep checking what's going on as often as they can. On the uh, disclosure side related to financial statements, there's a lot of issues that come up, that have come up with franchisors that need audited financials due to the uncertainty being caused due to the, with the coronavirus. So companies have had to shut down. Some have totally shut down. Some are seeing huge reductions in sales. Restaurants, for example, uh, that rely on, on customers sitting in and eating in. Uh, have, have had, had a huge, huge slowdown, many have shut down. Some, Some restaurants, restaurants, on the other hand, have picked up big time on the delivery side and the curbside takeout side, and their business hasn't been affected that much yet. Uh, you've, you've got, got a, lot a lot of companies that are experiencing supply side issues where their vendors have shut down that are making products for them. Uh, the bottom line is there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Some companies may never recover from this. Uh, may lose, lose a lot of employees from this, may face litigation from this. And when there's uncertainty like this on the financial statement side, it brings up the question of, uh, do you have to write down certain assets? What, what kinds of things do you have to disclose in your financial statements uh, related to asset impairment, related to trouble you might have collecting receivables? Uh, relating uh, to problems, problems you might, might have getting, getting product. product. There's, There's a lot, a lot of, of different areas in financial statements that franchisors need to be considering with their auditors as to uh, how all this changes, uh, either numbers in the financials or disclosures that need to be made in the financials. So it's just a heads up that franchisors should be talking with their auditors. Hopefully they have auditors that are experienced in this and know, and know what, what to do, and, and uh, aren't just dabbling in doing an audit of a franchisor, but really know what they're doing. Uh, there's a lot of experienced CPA firms out there in franchising that uh, 
that can help if a franchisor starts to question whether their auditors are capable. Because it's really important for the franchisor to have the proper disclosures and adequate financials because if they mislead potential franchisees with the financial statements in an FDD, they face litigation as well as potentially have contracts being able to be canceled. So it's pretty important. Uh, you know, you so know, we're so seeing, seeing that on the franchisor side. side. Uh, another, another issue franchisors, franchisors may have is cash flow, flow. because, because uh, as their franchisees, franchisees uh, either shut down, down or slow down, down. Uh, there, there could, could be issues. Uh, you know, if, if they're lucky, lucky enough to have franchisees that keep paying their royalties, even though business has slowed down, it's likely in many cases that royalty streams will be less to the franchisors if they're based on a percentage of sales. They may have franchisees that have slowed down or shut down that are unable to pay their royalties because they have other bills to pay. And the franchisors need to be as helpful as they can with their franchisees and also figure out how to handle their own business operations as all this is going on. Because the, the focus should be on being alive at the end of all this so that when coronavirus, uh, when the effects slow down and things start getting back to normal, that the franchisor is still alive. And, uh, and one of the speakers at the annual IFA convention, Simon Sinek, talked about the infinite game versus the finite game. So right now, everybody should be looking at both. You've got the finite game on what to do today, what to do tomorrow. And you've, and you've got, got the infinite, infinite game on how do we outlast everybody? How do we last so we're still open at the end of this and can, can recover and get back to normal? That's extremely important right now. Okay, okay. all right. So, so you, you hit a whole lot, lot of topics. Um, first, first, I want to say, if I'm, I'm dead, dead at the end of this, I really, really don't, don't care. care. I mean, at that, that point, point, I'm dead, dead so hot. I would, I would say, say I want to be profitable at the end of this. But besides that, um, um, you, you, you made comment, comment about people needing to find good auditors. auditors. So obviously, obviously they can, can get a hold of you, you and they can, can find your connection info on the Pillars of Franchising site. site. But, but assuming that you're, you're way, way too busy, busy, which you are a really busy guy, guy um, what, what are, are three questions that Somebody, somebody should, should ask, ask their, their auditor, auditor to make sure that, that it's, it's not, not somebody, somebody that's, that's what was the phrase you used? Just, just kind of dabbling. <laughs> dabbling. Thank you. Yeah, yeah so, so one, one of the questions, questions would be, you know, how many, many other franchisors, franchisors do you audit right, right now? now? You know, you know so, so you want to find out what their experience in franchising is. And it's the same with legal counsel. You want to find out what kind of experience your legal counsel has. With, with franchisors, franchisors not, not just, just with other businesses, because, because franchising is an industry and a concept all to itself. It's got, got special rules that relate to franchising. And all franchisors need a team of professional advisors that are experienced in business and experienced in franchising, because there's a lot of unique issues to franchising. Uh, and, that's and that's really the main, main question. question. You, you know, know another, another question, question might be for an accounting firm, for an auditor, uh, do you have, you have any certified franchise executives on staff? Uh, things like that. Have you worked with franchisees? Do you work with both franchisors and franchisees? But it's really trying to 
uh, get a handle, handle on, on their expertise, expertise in franchising and with franchisors, franchisors not, not just their expertise in auditing or in, in income, income taxes. taxes. I'll do one, one more follow-up follow and you can take it over. over. Um, um, so, so should a CPA, CPA firm, firm and obviously this franchise, the franchise or franchisee, is, is it better, better to have, have a CPA firm that deals with both franchisors and franchisees? Or if you're a franchisor, do you just want somebody who has worked with franchisors? In, In other words, words, do you, do you not, not care, care about, about the, any, any franchise experience? Well, well that's, that's a great, a great question. question. I, I think, think having experience with franchisees is a plus, but I don't necessarily think it's a requirement that if somebody's experience working with franchisors, that can be enough. If the audit firm actually, you know, and or the law firm actually has people that have worked in franchising before, I think that's a definite plus because, uh, the more, the more an auditor, auditor can understand, understand about the relationships between, between the franchisor and the franchisees and uh, understands about all the disclosures needed in an FDD, the better they can assist their client with footnotes in a financial statement and, you know, and maybe with other disclosures that are in the FDD. Uh, I've always, I've always tried, tried to leave the legal aspects of an FDD to the lawyer, but a good auditor or CPA can certainly add value by understanding and adding advice as to the business terms of an FDD or a franchise agreement. So you touched on um, taxes. Uh, it is tax season, and I know we have had some extensions on deadlines. Can you talk about what the latest information is on filing deadlines and payment due dates? Sure. And uh, one thing to keep in mind with all of this is that everything is changing every day. So what we've got right now, as of a couple of days ago, uh, Steve Mnuchin and the Treasury Department uh, agreed to extend the filing due date for individual tax returns uh, and corporate tax returns that were due on April 15th. Those have been extended now to July 15th. So the filing date is now July 15th. As well as tax payments that are, that are due that would have been due on April 15th, which include balances due on individual and corporate returns, as well as first quarter estimates on those returns that would have been due April 15th. Those have now been pushed out to July 15th. Uh, so there won't be any interest or penalties for amounts that were due on April 15th originally that are now going to be paid by July 15th. That extension, though, is only effective for individuals who owe under a million dollars on their tax returns, so it probably doesn't apply to Fred. <laughs> and uh, to, to corporations, corporations that, that owed under $10 million, million dollars on their tax return. return. Uh, one, one of the, the issues that causes right now is that states have their own due dates for tax returns. Mm -hmm. and, and only a few states right now have pushed back their filing deadlines. So everybody, depending on what state they're in, individuals and corporations, need to, to figure, figure out what's, what's going on in their state and when their state tax return would be, would be due. I expect that uh, virtually all, if not all, of the states will follow suit with the IRS and uh, push the deadlines back. But uh, 
frankly, they've got a lot on their plates right now. You know, if you watch any TV or read anything online or in the newspaper right now, you know that these governors with stay-at-home orders with figuring out what to do, they're not really focused on other things that normally they'd be focused on because of the urgency of some other things. So. It may, it, it may take, take a week, week or, or you know, a few days before all the states, states come online, but uh, likely, likely most of them are, will be pushing due dates back. Unfortunately, right now, the second quarter estimated payments, which are due June 15th, normally are still due June 15th. The IRS has pushed that back for second quarter 2020 estimates. One thing people need to keep in mind is that uh, it's very possible when they're, when they're figuring, figuring out, out what their 2020, 2020 estimate should be, that their 2020 income is going, going to be less than what it's been in prior years. So normally a safe harbor for estimates is paying 100% of your tax from the prior year, and you won't have any penalties. Uh, the 100% of your tax this year, if you, if you use that guideline, you may be paying a lot more than what your tax is really going to be. So it would, it would help, help a lot, lot of people, people I, think, I think, sit down with a tax, tax professional and uh, try, try to figure out, even though know, it's difficult right now to know how long this is going to last, but try, try to figure out if their, if their income is going to go down this year and if it does go down, how much it's going to go down by and uh, adjust, adjust their estimates accordingly. accordingly. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the other, other thing, thing affecting income, income there's, there's all these unemployment tax plans coming out right now that, uh, you know, in the, the time we've got, got today, we can't discuss all that. But there's a lot of information online as to unemployment, as to loans, as to being able to access retirement plan money uh, without penalties. There's a, there's a lot of things out there that may or may not have an effect on income tax that, uh, People, people may, may want to take, take a look, look at, at or, or talk, talk to, to with their tax, tax advisor. advisor. So, that so that kind of touches on my next question, which was about advice you have for franchisors and franchisees. And, you know, I've, I've seen, seen some of them, some of the small ones I've talked to this week are waiving their royalty fees for at least April and possibly into May and June. They're also coming up with innovative ways to try and increase revenue streams that they wouldn't normally do. So in terms of all those things and in terms of their financial statements and that kind of thing, what kind of advice would you give other than what you just gave? So communication is extremely important right now between franchisors and their franchisees. Uh, and the, you know, the franchisor, they've got, they've got multiple things to try to figure out here. They've got to figure out how to keep their own business uh, as healthy as they can or as stable as they can uh, as their revenue streams go down. Uh, they want to keep their key employees and they need to figure out how to do that. So, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's really, really right, right now, now cash, cash is king. Uh, build, build up as much cash as you can as a franchisor. Get as many loans that make sense, sense as you can so that you can, you know, you don't, you don't want good employees to start looking for other jobs right now. That's something that's a big issue restaurants are having to restaurant franchises. So you want to keep, you want to make sure that when all the dust settles on this, that you still have all your key employees. So. You want to keep, keep them happy. happy. You, you want to communicate with them. With them. Many, Many franchisors, franchisors may be working remotely right now and working in ways they haven't been used to working. So uh, communicate, 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 whether it's good, good news or bad news, news let, let everybody, everybody know. know. 
Same, Same thing, thing goes, goes with, with franchisors, franchisors and franchisees. Communicate, communicate as much as you can. can. Try, try to try to keep them calm. Try to understand, be empathetic, understand the issues they're facing. Give them the same kind of advice. Try to the, the, the franchisees if money is available. Them, you know they need to check it out. And try to get as much as they can. They want to keep their employees too. They want to keep their customers too, so that. They're, they're alive, alive when, when all the dust, dust settles. settles. So, so it's, it's kind of, of uh, I, heard I heard somebody yesterday in a webinar that I listened into, and, and it's, it's not, not, we don't really want to talk about downsizing right now. now. Uh, we we want to talk, talk about scaling down. down. So, so we're scaling down. down. We're, we're working fewer hours. We're working from home. We're working differently. We're not able to travel to see franchisees, but we're available uh, on, on the web, web or on the phone, phone. Uh, whenever, whenever you need us, you know, we're, we're there, there to help. And it's, uh, it's pretty basic stuff in difficult times, but the, the uncertainty right now is how long is this all going to last and what other changes are going to need to be made. So keep up on what's going on and communicate with employees and with franchisees. Uh, things, uh, things are going to slow down, down but, but then when they, they pick, pick back, back up, people are still going to want to buy franchises. There's, There's money out there waiting to buy franchises. Uh, uh, we're just going to be in a little slowdown for a while. while. All right, so we're running out of time, so I'll ask the last question. What would be a couple of online resources you would recommend people go to in order to find out information on franchising? So, so info, info on, on franchising, the IFA, IFA has a website, uh, franchise.org, franchise which will have information. They should still follow uh, everything going on in their state. Uh, it's, it's hard for a franchisor to follow and, and know everything going on in all states that they have franchises in. So some of it falls to the franchisees to know what's going on in their state. If there's a lockdown. Uh, who, who can, can come, come in to work, work if, you know, if, if there are stay-at-home stay orders, orders, things like that. Michigan just had a stay-at-home stay order that started at midnight last night, and, and there's all kinds of rules there on who can still have employees there, on what you have to do to have employees there, on what kind of signs you need to post on your door if you have employees there or have customers coming in there. There's, There's so many, many rules out there that the franchisees need to know what's going on in their state, and the franchisors need to know what's going on in their state. And then, you know, there, there's obviously government websites on coronavirus that we hear every night on the news, on Fox, on CNN, on local news, where, you know, go look at this website, go look at that website. So there's special websites just devoted to COVID-19 and the coronavirus. and and, 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 and what, what the rules are. are. And, and, and right, right now, most of the rules relate to state rules uh, with, with, with things and, and, and who, who can work and who can and what the rules are. are. Okay. So uh, the, the last, last thing I'll say is, is you, you missed, missed the obvious one, one, but that's okay. Colors of See That's right. Reach, Reach out, out. Stay, stay calm, and, and wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, when the details come out on the $2 trillion stimulus package, we'll have you back on after you've had some time to do some analysis and you can 
we'll ask you questions about that. that. Then, then you can I'll ask the same questions and get that the answer right, right next time. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks Ron. All right, Elizabeth, it's just you and I. I hope it's you and I. We seem that there seems to be sound going through. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it's it, us. It, it, <sighs> so, Ron has has sent me like multiple emails. Um, and so we'll post all the additional info on the uh, this blog post show so that people can not only learn from Ron's wisdom on video and audio, as well as read it in the updated material he sent us. Um, since we taped that, how's things been where you are on the coronavirus side? What's weird happening with you? Well, where we are, you know, people don't take it extremely seriously. <laughs> Alabama was one, one of the last ones to put a stay-at-home order. Um, not surprisingly, I guess. Uh, but but I think, you know, most of us are using our heads. It is, it is, I had a friend who went into the grocery store, the mask, and people laughed at her. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I'm not taking chances. I'm not taking chances with my kids, you know, but, uh, you know, my husband is still out working. He's not around a lot of people when he works, so he can, he can stay pretty isolated. He's, he's in a home repair franchise, so he's considered essential business, which is lucky for us. He's still able to work. Um, you know, and actually I had a call the other day. I, I had kind of you know, ad sales for the magazine have been a little slower, <laughs> this, this issue, but I had a woman who has been able to pivot her business from um, what she was doing. She's a, she writes business plans. I had to think for a second. She writes business plans for, for franchise um, ease who want to get a franchise. And uh, she's been pivoting her business to helping people understand and get the, the loans that are available, the SBA loans and that kind of thing. Um, through the stimulus. So her, she's been really busy and, uh, and she actually called and it's going to put some advertising and we're going to get her name and information out there. Cause she's trying to help people sustain their businesses during this time. So that was a pleasant surprise. We'll have to have her on the show then. Yeah. Um, she's, she's very interested. Uh, she's a, a smart cookie. Well, I think all of our listeners are smart. So <laughs> we like to bring smart guests. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, any last words for our audience? Um, stay safe and wash your hands. I don't know. <laughs> Get yourself a mask like Fred guys over there. <laughs> but if you're going to walk into a gas station like this with sunglasses on, don't have your hand in your pocket with a comb. It's really bad. Yeah. That will get you <laughs> That dark color is a little ominous looking too. It, may, it does make you look like a bad guy. No, I could use this. <laughs> um, got it. It's a really cool thing uh, from EU Activewear. Don't know if they're in business anymore, but if they are, hey, finally got a chance to give them a plug. So Yeah, well, hopefully they are. <laughs> That's uh, this week's show, folks. Uh, listen to past shows on Pillars of Franchising. Check out the videos on where you can actually see them on Pillars of Franchising or the Link Local Network uh, channel on YouTube. And I'm Fred McMurray with my co-host Elizabeth Denham. Ray was hungry. We'll see you next week on Pillars, Pillars.